Welcome to the Deep Into Movies podcast. My name is Stephen T. Hanley. I am the founder and lead curator of Deep Into Movies. We are a pop-up cinema based in London. Today on the podcast, filmmaker, documentarian, my pal Lance Oppenheim. Lance has made the fantastic new documentary, Some Kind of Heaven, which is set in the large retirement home complex in South Florida, focusing on three of the residents there. This doc is incredible. It doesn't look like any other doc I've seen. The cinematography is so incredible. I kind of pitch it as like Spring Breakers, Cocoon with early Errol Morris. He's a really interesting and unique filmmaker. This makes up number three in his loose trilogy of documentaries focusing on people who create homes in unconventional spaces and places. I say it every time, but it's true. This guy's amazing. I'm really excited to see what he does next. And yes, yeah, a really good talk. Well, obviously, I only want to talk to people who I admire and whose work I'm excited by. With Lance, we spoke about the movies that inspired him as a kid, McDonald's. We did a deep dive into Kanye West's career and the Kanye message board. And of course, we spoke about documentaries and his filmmaking. Okay, again, thanks for listening. Lots of people tell me they enjoyed the podcast, and that's great to hear. So again, thanks, and here's me with Lance. Hey, yo. There he is. Dude, I I, uh, I owe you a, a beer and a, and and uh, any feelings I can compensate for for your for your girlfriend for not cooking. I'm so I sorry. I just got off the phone with Scott Rudin, guy. You're done in this town, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're even. Dude, I, his uh him just saying just a Hollywood um, power move right there on my I'm, part. No, no, no. I'm 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 sorry. I fucked no, it's up, all but, good, man. We, we um, yeah, we McDonald's. It was kind yeah, of yeah, Mickey D's. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's such a gamble. It's either going to be fucking wrong, but it tastes really good, or just rubbery. I got rubbery today. I, oh, it, it was, no. It's the no. gamble you take. With it's the gam- like, well, did you get the Travis Scott burger? Do you guys, that's, no, that's, that's not over here. What's, what is that like? Oh, my God. It's, you know, it's just a, it's, it's like a barbecue sauce. Uh, you know normal patty but it was just a funny thing i'm sure you saw all the memes and the memes online of like you know there was one meme that was really funny that of of like i I don't i don't remember who posted it but it was like uh you know the line it was like the caption was like the line uh of people who are going to get the travis scott burger and it was just like <laughs> you know the profile of me basically just like you know <laughs> throw, like jewish filmmaker with glasses just fucking like skinny jeans you know yeah. talking about tenant um but anyway dude that, that that's got rude in pieces insane did you read that the funniest oh, man, thing in the that, one where he like smashed the macbook on somebody's hand Oh my god! Yeah, that shit was fucked up. I mean, the, the shit of um, uh, I didn't realize that one of his of his former employees uh, committed suicide, which is terrible. But I was and like M and M's and all the M and M's. I didn't really think that was a thing. I mean, I saw swimming with sharks. Which, oh my god! I that was seen a that. classic. With um, see, I thought my friend's telling me now is Scott Rudin, but I think it's going to be Joel Silver. Hmm. Joel with Silver. just a crazy um you dude know. joe silver always like he, he reminds me of scott storage you know like the, the music producer like they, yeah. they both kind of <laughs> they kind of look alike and they both had like a similar i just remember all the the matrix behind the scenes uh video uh you know featurette or whatever joe silver is so fucking funny in it he's yeah he gives zero fucks <laughs> he's always i had a weird thing in the dvd era where There'd just be nights where I was just sad and lonely and bored, and I 
would watch listen to any commentary and i borrowed swordfish off one of my friends and i still say it's one of the best commentaries that guy is such a hollywood (laughs) high concept cokehead prick and he's like yeah you see that cop there we've already needed a buddy so that dude over there is buddy he's got a fucking house in malibu now thanks to me and then he's like (laughs) He was, they were doing something where it was all this like tech coding. And then he said, we got the web designer in and he was like, I know how you want the hacked computer to look with all like the binary and the numbers and shit going for it. But this is the way it would look. And he's like, I said to that fucking nerd, Hey buddy, do you want to get paid today? If so, <laughs> give me the fucking binary. <laughs> and he's just so obnoxious throughout the whole thing. And he's like, boom, see that effect there? One million up in flames. And I was like... Oh, my God. Oh, I got to see that. I haven't seen that movie. I, I used to have... Um, I used. To, I don't, you remember like the, the PlayStation Portable, the PSP? I, I, yeah. I bought Swordfish when I was probably like 14. And I remember I, I I had like the biggest erection in my life with the Holly Berry the nude scene or whatever. I remember like one of the yes. first R-rated movies I personally bought myself, um, and I was so proud of it. And then I was like, it even has nudity in it. And I was like, oh my god. But um, yeah, the Scott <laughs> Rudin thing. There, there was a the, the Vulture piece that came out, the New York Magazine piece. There was um, there's a hilarious uh, th- this one's this one thing in it. Uh, this one uh, assistant was recalling like a, a moment in the nineties when a guy had just started his first day and he got in at like six 30 in the morning. And, you know, the assistant who was quoted was like, Hey, so this is like what you're going to do. You're taking the calls. So like you're rolling calls all day, make sure you say Scott Rudin's office anytime anyone calls in. And uh, the guy's like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. And the first call comes in, it's like six 50 in the morning. And the guy says Scott Rubin's office, oh, uh, shit. you know, and and then the, like what's quoted on the line is uh, he goes, "What the fuck you say to me?" And it was it's Scott Rubin <laughs> on the other line. He said, he said, "Did you say Scott Rubin?" And then uh, and then the, the you know the, there's just like all kind. He's like, "You got the IQ of a fucking you know of a pistachio shell," just like shit like that. <laughs> and, uh, and then the guy was fired like later that morning like before eight o'clock before he like before like two hours on the job he was gone but um i love anyway, the detail totally that he wants like uh he needs a jan sports bag black oh yeah 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 oh my god all those weird specifics are just so strange to me all those details of like how it needs yeah. to be pun- like the hole punching of uh, yeah fun and the fun i can kind of get but. my buddy was the one who um uh, in that piece uh, um i have a friend who's quoted talking about how he gave him a, a bunch of uh uh like dvd tapes of the crucible to watch and um and he got fired because like the audio level he yeah scott was like tired of like playing with his remote to change the volume on the, of the audio on the different tapes so he fired you know my buddy for for uh you know, I mean, and the audio literally came from like he was ripping like VHS tapes, so it was like the source audio. Like you can't, you can't, you know, boost that up. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you could theoretically, but I'll give my friend the benefit of the doubt. Um, but anyway, Christ. crazy, crazy shit, man. But how about you? I, I, I'm so curious about your your life. Uh, I really love the shit you you do. Like your 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 feed really. I'm not I'm like you know it's it's uh it's it's such good shit i i feel like i've discovered a lot of rediscovered a lot of movies through through your shit and also that 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 post you put threw up the other day of the um your favorite podcast as of late that pta mark Marin thing i i fucking oh, love the that best man amazing yeah it's one of the best uh com- I, I i didn't know i i you exposed me to a whole thing I, I didn't realize that um what was it? It was the Museum of the Moving Image has like all of these amazing talks that aren't on Spotify or anywhere. So I, I, yeah, I listened to that. Yeah, there's some really great old school old shit one. on that. That was one of the first real... Fire. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah Marin's, um, Marin's PTA is just great. It's just film by film. Bam. Let's go. What the <laughs> fuck are we doing with that? Why? <laughs> yeah. Just... 
Yeah, him talking about Magnolia and just how he would have fucking, you know, thought, re, re, you know, not done, made it as long these days. It's so interesting. Yeah, uh, I would cut out the John C. Riley cop some sections of that. That's the one section that I really struggle with. Yeah, which 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 moment? Um, the one where the kids rapping to him and trying mm. to give him the clue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels it feels a little uh, yeah. There's it's a little corny that section. It's, it's, there's something very trite about that, but I do. I mean, I do love like when the introduction to him is so fucking good. Just him calling in, talking about how he needs love. I think like the, the, the love story between him and um, oh my god, Melanie something. What's her name again? That the actor who plays uh, of uh, you tell me something uh, and I'll tell you something. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. an amazing scene. Actually, I yeah. Why am I shitting on that? That no, the cop scene I'll stand by, but the whole relationship and the girl uh, yeah, with the drug good. habit section is fantastic. It's funny. That was like the one movie of his that I always, um, I, I like. I saw it. For, like I've seen all. I think the only like the, the everything from the, There Will Be Blood was like the, one of the first like R-rated movies I saw in a theater, and I remember that was like a moment when I saw it in theaters where I was like, oh shit, I should really like whoever that person is who made this movie, I should just watch all of their stuff. And then, and then I went and watched Boogie Nights. But I remember I really didn't get Magnolia the first time I saw it. And, I, and it's, it's like the one that maybe I've grown the most with. And I saw it like in 2019, just, you know, I think it was playing in the city at, um, at, at, the, at BAM, um, uh, the Brooklyn you know, Museum here. Yeah. And it was fucking amazing. I mean, it was... It was just like I'd never seen it in a theater before, and the, and the 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 experience of seeing that thing like big, bright, and loud, and it just roaring in your ear. It, it felt like you know a total. I never realized how op- operatic it was until I you know just kind of surrendered myself to it. But um, anyway, it's a good it's a good one. But how how did you get started with all this shit? I know you 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 were doing screenings and stuff in and around. UK for yeah, a minute, right? We're a pop-up cinema, ba- basically. Okay. We have residencies in different venues in London. I started in a kind of like a hipster dive bar in East London, which is kind of like the Brooklyn of like the Williamsburg mm. area of London. And I started there. I programmed a film a week and then I was getting really extra and anal with the programming from the first day. I think I got like 50 pound a month for my, for like kind of basically like 10 pound a week or something for doing <laughs> the screenings. But I was just so obsessed with having my own screenings. I was like, this is great. Yeah. So we did, I did like five screenings and then the following month I was like, Hey, I've got this idea for a season. And they're like season. Like, dude, why? What the fuck is with your seasons? You know, this isn't Momo. Why are you <laughs> doing retrospectives and shit? And I was like, just getting really geeky and obsessed with my creation from the first one. And then they were like, I said, I want to do five great movies that you've never seen, but you fucking should. And they were like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. You have to, <laughs> you have to go. And so. I got fired and then I was like, there was a really cool indie venue down the road called Moth Club. And they had a really cool space and had already had a really good reputation. And so I said to those guys, hey, I want to do a film. Can I show something here? And they were like, yeah, sure. Have a look around, see what you want to do. So I did that. That went okay. And then the next week I, I wanted to do Fugazi's instrument. Mm. and then the director was in town jem cohen wow and i just messaged him and said hey we're showing a movie is there any way i could film like a two-minute introduction with you and he said yeah fuck it come along because this was at bobkin this was like a really prestigious art space he was showing something in wow and so we met up and then at the end of his he did a quick intro it was really nice and then he said please support your diy spaces um, art spots and small indie cinemas. Cause if you don't, they will go away. 
Mm. And I was like, fuck, that's like a mission statement right there. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, lo- I love his movies, man. I, I love Chain. That's like one of my... Yes. Um, one of my all-time favorite God's movies. God's you Black Camper music and stuff. That was amazing. Yeah. Really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that movie's so fucking interesting. Um, that's so cool. So ever since you've just been the success of that. Just kind of snowballed from there organically. Yeah. Fuck that first place that, that told you to, to leave. Did they, did they come back around eventually? It was the best thing that ever happened. I think you need to yeah. get kicked in a dick or have a... I remember there's so many directors who, and people who say like, um, I don't know, rev- just some spite, a little bit of bitterness. It does you so well in life sometimes. It motivates. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, the greatest you, motivator. Don't get know, all Darth Vader and chewed up and black inside with it, but it's a little bit yeah. of, I'll fucking show you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, it, that, that, that's the same. Yeah. No, I feel like failure is like it is the, the fear of failing is a far more motivating thing than the, you know, I don't know, for, for me at least. Like, I don't, I, I always am just trying to, I'm like, I really don't, if I get the chance to, to be up at bat and swing, like, I'm not thinking, like, I mean, obviously, I'm like, I, I want to make this thing the best it possibly can be. But I'm not like I'm gonna make an American classic. I'm just like I don't want to. <laughs> all I want to do is not fuck up, right? And I think like right. that's that's. Um, and after having so many people around you or in your ear that are are you know are, are either telling you that you could fuck this up, like that that's the thing that's just like the that's like the gas in the tank. You know, when you're in reserve, that's the thing that's just powering you through. And I mean, man, it's cool. Cause I think the other thing that you've obviously done very well, I feel like there's probably so many people like myself included, I was following your gram just because, you know, you were posting such cool shit online and it, it, you, you've really uh, formed a, a very, you know, like, yeah, formidable digital presence, which is, which is cool. I didn't even know. I had no idea who you were, what you were doing. I was just like, this is a cool. Yeah. How did you account. find us? You know, someone I, I'm someone I must have been following reposted something you. I honestly, I don't. I honestly have no idea. I just uh, I, you kept popping up, and then I and then I gave you know gave you the follow, and I and I never regretted it since. What did you grow up watching? What were the first films that really um, sparked something in you? That's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of it, I really, really love Glazer, Jonathan Glazer's movies. And I remember seeing Birth and thinking like that was, that, that was one of the first times I saw something where I was like, you don't, you know, the premise of this movie isn't that like, I feel like in some ways it's like it traffics in some cliches. If someone told me that there's a movie made about a woman who, whose husband died and there's a little boy that appears on her doorstep and claims to be her husband, I'd be like, yeah, it seems like kind of schlocky, but it's just like a complete, I mean, I don't even like, it it just casts such a spell on you and it's so immersive. Um, And, and the choice of just the the way he uses across all of his work and you see it in sexy beasts and, under the skin, but like the choice of the score, the choice of using those zoom zooms on people's faces. They don't have to say anything. They can just, you know, let, let their faces talk, let, you know, let, 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 let them, let, let them emote that, that way. I mean, yeah, like that, that was the first time where I was like, there's a complete other, ex- very expressive way of making movies that I thought he was tapping into. And then I just went and, I mean, I think like the stuff growing up that I was obsessed with, I was, I, I, I took like a like a you know two week film class at a uh, at like a like a local college near me uh, when I was probably like eleven, um, and I was exposed to like you know the, the the people there the professor there he had a good taste in movies I got to give it to him he showed like Dark City he showed American Psycho he showed uh, The Departed and I was eleven so I was like what the fuck, fuck. are these movies and then and then. Uh, he showed uh, um, the fountain. He showed Tree of Life. 
not Tree of Life, sorry. He, he showed um, The New World is what he showed. And then he also, um, and then, and then he was like, there are movies I can't show you, but like, I'll give you the list. And then he gave me the, this list and there was uh, Blue Velvet was on there. And he was like, this is the most disturbing movie of all time. And then I was like, I'm definitely going to see that right away. And then uh, he also you know, threw in Vanilla Sky, which, which I then also just fell in love with, um, funnily enough. And I, I still I remember I was like at my bar mitzvah, my bar mitzvah after party, where it was just like, you know, guys being guys, guys hanging out, 12-year-old kids, 13-year-old kids hanging out. I, I, um, I forced every person that was there uh, to watch Vanilla Sky with me. <laughs> so it was always like, you know, it was a lot more narrative films than docs. And I think I, like, you know, the, the other things that just kind of like sat through my system as soon as I saw it too, were like I was saying, like there will be blood then seeing all Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. And then, um, you know, I, I became obsessed with, with um, when I started watching docs, like when Queen of Versailles came out, that was a big moment for me too. And I was like, Oh, there's a whole wave of those movies. And I saw crumb and then I saw, you know, dark days um, and then I saw Wiseman stuff like that movie zoo and primates. And then I, um, yeah, I just was, I was so obsessed with watching things and I felt like I was so bad at sports and shit. I, I, I like, I, I wasn't the most socially adept person. I lived so far away from most people growing up. So I, I felt like a lot of like, you know, I, I took refuge in, in watching movies and, yeah, I was definitely like very, I'm still am, but like <laughs> I went through like years of occupational therapy, but I was uh, like very much on the spectrum, like veering towards Asperger E territory growing up. And like the things that I could only talk, like I would, I would, I would memorize, I can't recite it anymore, but I would memorize like MPAA ratings, you know, the, the ratings in the States of just like why a movie, why Anchorman was rated PG 13 or, um, you know, I was just obsessed with like really trivial, dumb information that like no one cared about. And I just, I feel like when I get stoned these days, like my girlfriend's always chastising me for just like only talking about movies, but it's a, it's a safe space for me. It's a, it's a comfortable place. And it, it, you know, I feel like it's a, I like being in that zone of, I, I, I do feel tied to being like 11 years old again, you know, when I, when I watch something that just fucking, like destroys me. Um, but yeah. And then, and you know, it wasn't until later. I, 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 I was like in high school really when I started making, tried making stuff, but, um, but yeah. I feel seen. I relate to yeah, yeah. so much of that, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've How about you? Been... I'm curious. Oh, what the movie, the movies I, yeah, or just like why, what, you know, how you got, how, 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 what was your origin story to that? And the real big spark was when I was at college and then kids came out and the dogma movement was happening. Mm. And I got into like one car, why? And there was the cult indie shit going on. And then you could kind of see like, I like how Hartley and then how Hartley would direct the Yoli Tango video or Harmony Corinna would shoot a Sonic Youth video. Mm. And it was those kind of crossovers that, hey, all, this whole squad kind of fuck with each it's, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the indie record scene kind of dig the indie music scene and Jarmusch would pop up in In the Soup and then you'd have like anything with Chloe Sauvignet or Kevin Corrigan <laughs> or Steve Buscemi was going to be great. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, they all kind of just in informed each other and i just got more obsessive and more geeky as i got older and then collecting loads and directors commentaries and yeah same i think also just the obsession with seeking stuff out that um i remember i was telling my friends like let's go see swingers and they're like fuck no that's all the way across town i'm like it's showing across town at 1 p.m um i'll be there at 12 55 if not bye but i need to go i need to do this and yeah i was just always like that i couldn't fucking stop if if i knew a movie was coming out i remember i'd ring the video shop like hey it's monday is it out you haven't got your delivery yet what kind of time are you expecting it okay i'll see manager i'll wait <laughs> just like... but i guess I, you don't know that other people aren't like this other people have lives other people have yeah you know probably going on cool dates and doing crazy shit and i'm just like 
<laughs> ringing blockbuster yeah, 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 at 11:55 yeah, yeah. on Aliens Monday. Collector's edition out yet? Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 amazing. It's fa- it's it, it's it's funny. It's sad that um I, I'm yeah I, I well two things. One, it's 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 it sucks to me. I don't understand why they don't do it. Why like um why no streamers? I know I know that uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but. It's just strange to me that no streamer has the ability to load, like, you know, do a commentary track. Like, if you buy a movie on iTunes, I guess you you can... Um, I remember, like, the last... I remember, like, on Gone Girl, when I bought that on iTunes, like, I, I, I listened... I bought it immediately for the Fincher commentary track. Yes. But there isn't, like, a good database for those... For commentaries, really. Um, and also, when you're... Yeah, I just don't understand why they don't give people that option. I mean, I guess it's just because fucking cinema is content now and you know it's reduced to you, know, you can put it on four times speed if you want to and just just to get to all the sex scenes and the action scenes oh that makes me sick what the fuck <laughs> there is like one website there, there is one website that i've gone to that has some comment but there's a lot of them that like um it, it's a little bit of a sketchy website i forget what it's called honestly but i but i i downloaded a few i downloaded um the Nicholson commentary on four on, on a five easy pieces, um, which which was like totally insane. Have you listened to that one? That that, no. that it's like one of the most brilliant. It's like one of the best commentaries I've ever heard. He's just doing a like a retrospective, like you know, three decades later. Um, yeah, he's just waxing poetic. More, he, he he's 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 very. It's like less than less of him talking about what's actually happening in the scene, and more of just talking about uh, where he was in life when he was doing this, and why the movie means so much to him. And yeah, so interesting. He's he's a he's a student of the craft. Uh, I guess you would you know would expect nothing less from him. I saw a photo of him eating a subway sandwich uh on a on a boat on my oh, Twitter. Oh yeah, that that's legendary. <laughs> is that recent or is that like a few no, years ago? No, that's old? a couple of, that's a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh damn. I was I was like if that's if that's like yesterday, I'm 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 I'd be so It's still pretty yeah. recent. Yeah, that's still a vibe. I remember he I remember he was about to be in a in a remake of um of uh uh Tony uh, uh, Erdman or whatever and it didn't, didn't uh yeah I mean it didn't happen. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if he's like, you know, unwell. I hope not. No, I think he, I think he is just doesn't go out as much. I know people always say, why isn't he at the Oscars in the front row anymore? But yeah, there's an amazing photo of him where he had like a fat grip of money, and I think like the money clip burst or something. And it's just a photo of him running down the street picking up these hundy bills <laughs> and stuff. That was a really great paparazzi shot of him just like fuck and just like <laughs> running down the street picking up all his money oh i that love a really that boss move that's amazing yeah man he's he's the truth you said you used to get movie recommendations on the kanye west message board what, <laughs> what was that space like at the time i mean i still have an account on it, it, it i Sick. think they, they they left kanye to the dot com slash forum because I, I what i would I, what i would do is i would um i would you know i not only would i like you know go to like the movie section but i also was um i was i, I would put up my own films kind of like I, I would i would uh create like different accounts and stock puppet accounts and post you know, like I'd post a film like, Hey guys, I made this movie. And then I would make another account and be like, this is sick. And then make another account and be like, don't get it just so I can have some like authenticity <laughs> in the comments. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, for my money's worth at the time, it was, I mean, it was like, it, I was too scared of like, I, I, I wasn't on Reddit yet. And I, and I, I don't really remember how I stumbled across it, I think I would, you know, it was, it was around the time of like, it was post-graduation, uh, the Kanye album. So I guess, and it was also post, it must've been post 808s. Although, you know what? It may have been around, I remember there was like, I remember, no, it was around the time of 808s and Heartbreak that I was on there. It must've been like seventh grade for me because I, I remember Kanye performed at like the VMAs, uh, the, the first performance of Love Lockdown. And oh, I, sick. Yeah, which is, I mean, honestly, like an amazing performance. But I just remember, like, 
I went on the, yeah, I had, a, I mean, like, I'm sure like many people, I'm, I, it's hard to defend Kanye these days, but when I was growing up, like the first time I got an iPhone graduation had just come out, you know, so I was just like associating like that Euro tech, you know, that kind of like uh, beautiful, exuberant, joyful uh, tech, you know, electronic music um, with, with just like this new device in my hands that was going to change my life forever. And, you know, I could do everything on. Um, and I feel like that's always been my, so I ended up going on that forum cause I was always tracking like all of the fucking leaks, all of the demos that were being like accidentally released. Um, and yeah, I'm not on there anymore as much. Cause I feel like, you know, again, like, I feel like I was more there for like the, the news than I was for the sense of community. But, um, but there was some good shit in there. I mean, I, 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 like that, the one thing that's weird now is going in, like when I first was going in, I remember thinking like, Oh, you know, anyone who's like most of the people using it were probably in their mid to late twenties. And I was like, you know, 14 maybe. So I was just like that, you know, it's like my, my digital friends are like these old guys that I don't know, uh, or, you know, older people now I'm that fucking age. And I'm just like, it's so trippy. I, I, the last time I was on there, I still dropped the trailer for, uh, my movie in there just to, just to see how, (laughs) and what people would say. Um, but I was just doing a quick survey and it's like, everyone there is so young. So I was like, what, who is like the new Kanye, like, Kanye stands today, I feel like are, it's a different, like different vibe than what it once was. Like, I feel like it's harder to just be a fan of Kanye's music, which I feel like has gotten worse. Um, or just like the level of intent that he puts into his music these days seems like he's, you know, he's just, he's like an entrepreneur. He's doing so much. He doesn't care as much about the, the music. I remember like on, um, I forget. It's a, it's an album. It's a, it's a song on late registration where he's, he's uh where he says, or is it on college dropout where he's, he's, he says something about like Lauren Hill and how he wants her to release another album or like how he wishes she would do more music. And I'm like, that's so funny. Funny you say that, man. Cause I wish the same for you. Um, I don't know. Are you a Kanye fan? Yeah. I like all of Kanye stuff up until Jesus a lot. And then Pablo was, just messy and quite I don't think he was in a I don't think he was and is in a good headspace ever since it's a lot of it's quite despairing all his when he had that breakdown when he was doing the political run (laughs) Germany like turned up and he had a bulletproof vest and was crying and stuff it was oh my god yeah um, no, it, but up until that, it, it was track. incredible. The my um, Dark Twisted Fantasy was insane. The fucking hype and all the Good Friday yeah, tracks he was Fridays. dropping, and yeah. the um, all the there was one track. Was it Good Time or um, it, it had a uh, Kid Cudi and yeah, is it the Christian Dior denim flow that one? No, that I got was... the world on my head. No, it wasn't. There was one track. Oh fuck, I forget. I'll put it in the intro so when I remember it. <laughs> but Mercy was fucking sick. And yeah, yeah, that was a really exciting time. And all the imagery, like the George Kondo yeah. cover art and stuff, fucking sick. And then Jesus was so nihilistic. That was really so fucking distorted and loud and mastered so raw. And after that, I've just dropped off. Yeah. Last thing I'll say on, on that, you know, is his uh like Jesus? I I do wonder if that was like a like a true rupture in his mind at that point in time, where like he that was. I think it's his best album, and and I think it's like once you go there, where do you go? Like I I, I really don't know. He made a rock album with Twisted Fantasy. He made the electronic you know music like Daft Punk album with Graduation. He did all the Chipmunk Soul stuff. And then he made this like thing that's like totally just brutalist and like beautiful and amazing. And then, you know, the, like, I feel like his answer to that question is like just doing, you know, more or less like he did his greatest hits album with Pablo. And then now he, you know, is on the Christian rock <laughs> train, which for me is, you know, I, uh, 
I should maybe develop, I should, I should work harder to develop an appreciation for it. But I just think that dude's like so off is, uh, in a different dimension, uh, which I also can appreciate, but like, you know, not as much as I once did when I thought he was like, you know, in my mind, he was like an auteur. He still is, but he was like making, you know, I, I held him up with PTA. I held like the level of artistic intent, the collaborators he brought in the studio and he brings in like, Chief Keefe and then brings in Justin Vernon for Bonnie, like, and then uh, Arca, you know, like all these random people who don't exist in their own worlds. And then is just like, you know, perform, I, give me a good performance and I'm going to, you know, figure out how to get like extract the best from you. It's like the same way I think of like how Fincher extracts the best from like, you know, Ben Affleck or something, or just, you know, uh, or, or Justin Timberlake, like that, like weird random pairing between artists that doesn't make sense on paper. But um, anyway, I'm rambling. I was texting you earlier i watched the happiest man alive and i'm oh, just hell yeah i'm just absolutely fascinated by mario how did you how, how did you find him <laughs> he uh he well so i i guess the backstory there is i i my grandparents are like avid cruisers and they've been on like you know they took me on a cruise several times growing up it's a great gift i just lost my grandmother um, so I've, I've actually been thinking a lot about the times we, we did spend like going to random fucking places together, but, uh, they, they t- tipped me off on, um, on, on, on Mario's existence and just this existence of these like elite, this elite cabal of like competitive cruisers of people who spend, uh, their entire lives trying to accrue, you know, cruise points to just keep sailing. Um, so I was like, oh, that's a fascinating world. I should, I should look into that. So I started looking into it and started talking to one person who was, um, not in good health. And she had been living on a cruise ship for about like 12 years is what it seems like. I couldn't get to her. She passed. And then I just basically emailed every other cruise line and, and, and just said, hello, like I'm a filmmaker. I'm hopefully going to be making this film with the New York times op docs you know, do you have anybody on your ship that fits this profile and did more research, didn't really hear back from anyone when I asked. And then I eventually stumbled across this like Miami Herald's, uh, you know, global newspaper article about Mario and, um, reached out to him and we, you know, we had like probably a phone and email correspondence for several months. And then I finally was able to convince him to let me on the ship with him and follow him around. Um, it's interesting. I'm actually, I'm working on a fiction version of that movie um, right now. We'll see what, how it manifests, but I'm working on it with Darren and um, I want to make it. It, it. I feel like there's so much more shit that I wanted to do in that space. And um, part of my, like making that film, I needed, like I made that film and I thought I was going to make a longer version of it. And then I got sidetracked by the, by the villages and I thought, you know, maybe I should try and just make another doc before I make the jump or try to make the jump into, you know, narrative shit. Um, and, uh, you know, the villages has like a very similar, the very similar frame of thinking of people who are choosing to, you know, leave escape reality and, you know, escape relationships they had with people in their previous lives and, you know, escape negative news and just kind of insulate yourself in this like little bubble of, of positive, positive stuff. Um, so yeah. It freaked me out. He just, (laughs) when you think about the logistics or just day to day mundanity of being on a cruise ship, it's living in hotels. I can almost get behind. I'm such a homebody. So my, when I hear people talking about going fucking camping or festivals when they're staying in tents and stuff, I'm like, oh God, this is horrific. But all his and his like agenda of no cleaning, no washing up, no long-term relationships, 
friends. He'll have them briefly whilst he's on the cruise. And then there's that weird scene where he's trying to lock in with with another couple when they're <laughs> coming yeah. back out at Christmas. And he's like, oh, cool. I'll be on that random ship at that time as well. So let's see each other. Yeah. It was just so fascinating. And then there's that. It kind of reminds me of um, there's that noise industrial noise artist Purian and he's obsessed with Anna Nicole Smith because she got <laughs> I think she got buried in like Ibiza over Bahamas and he had just this weird thing that got into his head of eternity and being buried on a party island just surrounded wow. by noise and raving oh and my I, god I what's, had a weird what's, what's his name Purian Purian yeah he's absolutely incredible P-R-U-R-I-N-T super prolific oh, industrial wow. noise okay. I'm, and he, I'm, I'm going in add him to shuffle because he does kind of like kind of hard industrial techno burgine and also kind of like weird synthy kind of gothy synthy stuff as well wow he, what a he, what a i love that idea of that's the that's the nature of how he, he that's that's the drive that's the feeling is to yeah uh I had a weird, had a weird thing where that. I was watching um, Mario when he's just on his HP laptop, just doing big <laughs> boomer energy and like fucking gangbang style is just pumping so loudly. And all these people are like <laughs> taking off their tops and dancing and he's not engaging in the party at all. No. He's just like, I've been here for 19 years. I've seen all this shit. And yeah, I'm done. No, no, it, it's, it's just a means to, I mean, he, 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 you know, yeah, it's interesting. There was like a little bit of like a, 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 I, I think he, the experience of making that was a lot harder than than like a lot of things that I've made just because he he, I I didn't, honestly didn't feel like I got there with him when I was shooting. Like I I really wanted to. Um, I think there was a level to which he wasn't willing to surrender himself to the process of like making the film the way we were trying to make it. So which honestly I totally understand. Sure. Like you know. It's it's a lot to ask. It's a lot to, especially me as a filmmaker. Like I feel like it's a lot to have me around in your life. And I think for him, he uh, he you know he 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 just is so protective of his space, of his time, of the rituals, the ways in which he's you know created this this castle, this life that that no one uh, yeah where he where he basically is is you know the king, um, and he was not happy taking direction from me or just you know, we'll meet you at this place at this time. Right. And, you know, he was like, yeah. And then he just wouldn't show up, you know, shit like that. But, um, I, 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 I thought he was a fascinating, fascinating guy. N- never met anyone quite like him before. And, um, you know, it was, it was interesting that like, I wrote about this in the essay that I, that I put out when I put the film out, but, um, I was interested in that whole thing of just not him. I, like I really tried to, to pierce through the, the layers of, whatever denial or whatever had brought him to the ship to begin with, you know, that choice to just leave everything behind. That's she, the fucking story right there. Yeah. It's, why? Or is life why, before why that? that? How much money must you have to be just living on these cruises for your whole life? Or, yeah, do, or, or mean, does the overheads work out like the same as works. an apartment or something? it ends up not being as expensive as you would think. And yeah, it ends up because he doesn't really have any real estate. It just like, it's easy for him to, and and you saw his, um, he, you, you, you saw his, his room. I mean, he's not living in like a a room with a balcony or, you know, he's living in a, in a windowless cabin. And his feeling about that is that it's not, you know, his, his, his house is the ship. You know, that's how he Mm. sees it. He doesn't see only, the only time he goes to his room is when he, his cabin is when he's when he goes to sleep, but outside of that, it's like he never spends any time there. But no, I mean, I, I honestly feel like he didn't. It was it was a process of um, trying to get to to really crack through that facade or just get through get through to him and really break down why he chose to do what he chose to do. And he just was not, you know, he wasn't open in that way that I was hoping he would be. But then I also realized that, you know, there was an element of to which I think he like, I honestly don't even know if he remembers why he did it to begin with. I think like that all that time he spent on the ship to some degree, I think really it has to alter your brain chemistry. Like I feel like he becomes 
if you spend 19 years, 20 years continuously on a ship like that, and you engage in the rituals and you have people pamper you, you know, you kind of become half cruise ship. Like that's like, there are parts of your life that become automated. The way you look at other people, the way you look at, you know, relationships and the, how transactional they can become. And if you want that, that exists. And, you know, he's one of the rare people I feel like that does, that has that life where he just doesn't, he, you know, it's, it's like pure freedom to him is, is, uh, the avoidance of, of people letting you down and, and, and the avoidance of pain that comes from having a relationship with somebody. I mean, I think for him, he's really like, you know, he's, he's living in his own, uh, it's like a monastic life, it, it, you know, amidst all these wet t-shirt competitions and shit. You yeah. Know? I mean, you can have that. Why not just go to a fucking Island or someplace <laughs> kind of quiet white ship that just, well, I think he likes the fact that he he has all of his amenities. You know, he has someone on call to, yeah. to take care of him. Yeah, it's, it's it's somewhat affordable, more affordable than it would be to like live on. I don't know, in like Saint Bars or something. I don't know if he could afford to to live that way. Um, and I also think he just likes the feeling, even though he doesn't get off at the ports anymore. But he likes the feeling of, you know, of being in transit. Like I think there's something nice about that to him. Um, that he's he's constantly moving and you can't really follow him or track him down. Like Jeez. I, for a long time, I was like, is he running? Like, he's obviously running from something. But like, so I did like a background check on him yeah. and just trying to figure that out. And I couldn't find anything. And I, you know, I really just think it may just be his, his preference is to live his life that way. It's a very different uh, way of thinking. But yeah. John Lovitz to play Mario in the movie. The <laughs> campaign starts now. He'd be dude. He'd, wow, that that would be uh that that would be amazing. It's hilarious. I love uh I love the critic. That's one of yes. my one of my top one of my favorite shows. Um, you could kind of see his opening scene in Happiness being the jumping off point for him <laughs> just getting on the fucking cruise, right? Oh my god. Yeah, I mean it's funny. It's it's interesting. It's been a process of just trying to figure out how to we I've been writing it for a while and um uh yeah, it's 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 I've always sort of thought of it like you can you 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 have like combined that the the energy of like a um you know, like a love Liza a little bit, just the the way someone responds to grief in oh, a specific yeah. way and and then um you know, combining that with like some of the elements of like a broken flowers and also some of the elements of the swimmer that, you know, the, Frank Oh my Perry God. Movie. Lancaster. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's almost got it's like, cool. uh, yeah. almost got like a, almost a Daniel Klaus vibe. Yeah. As well, yeah. Like yeah. Kinda. Yeah. It's got, yeah, 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 exactly. So we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm almost, I'm like halfway through this new draft of it. So I'm hoping, um, yeah, I'm hoping that, that, uh, that it can, can be made. We'll see. You never know. It's hard to make things. Temporary parking had the same type of transients and temporary residencies and weird living. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like. It's funny that the some kind of heaven, long term parking, and and the happiest guy in the world. But all three of those came from a like an idea, almost like a like a like a series that I. I mean, not almost like it was a series that I was pitching around for a while. And no one would give me money. Um, and the idea of it was, it was kind of like it, the idea of like a permanent vacation, right? These like permanent yes. residents of semi or tempor of, of temporary places, um, you know, and, and I liked finding those worlds. And I was, a lot of the things I was inspired by was like, you know, the, the Jem Cohen film chain um, and the Mark Singer film, Dark Days, and I was like, what is the 21st cent? You know, like what, what's like the, what's like the, the equivalent of that for like 20 like post-recession time in America where like things seem to be rebounding, but you could still see the, the fissure and, and, and the, and the, the, you know, the, the cracks in certain industries, like in the aviation industry, like totally fucked by 9-11 evident, you know, obviously in uh, everything changed and people's rates were slashed and uh, modern day, you know, rethinking of how we would, how that all that whole industry would exist happened. And another thing, I mean, I think like the, 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 I like this idea of looking at these like very, these worlds that you pass through and you don't really think too much about it. And, and, and thinking about the people who, who continue to exist in those, those like, um, 
you know, liminal spaces, the residents of those liminal spaces, I thought were just such a, such a fascinating psychology. And even the villages was a similar idea to this. I wanted to do, I mean, initially my angle and my lens on the villages I thought was going to be something that was far more concerned with like the, the turnover and real estate and how, you know, um, like how many, you know, how many folks die every day in a community like that. And the people who move in end up becoming and adopting the same mannerisms and different kind of, um, ways of, of being ways of existing there. Um, you know, this, this kind of like tension between the, you know, an individual and, uh, being an individual and having your own individuality and joining this collective hive mind where everyone looks the same and, you know, the nomenclature is, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a positive, it's a benefit to look and feel and be like everyone else, you know? Um, so those are things that I think I was interested in across all three films. And, you know, it's still a thing I'm really interested in now is, is, is that same concept. And I think a lot of it came from, you know, my parents were both, um, my parents are both lawyers and they, 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 during the recession in Florida, which was like, you know, really, I feel like the, the ground, ground zero for a lot of this shit, they were doing a lot of like, they were defending a lot of people who were losing their homes. And for a while, like, you know, the, the sole income my parents would bring in was like purely based off of barter, you know, just like, like uh, they would do something for a painter and the painter would come and, you know, fix up our house, shit like that, where it was, um, I think like my parents kind of became more like therapists and that, that question of like what your home means to you, where you hang your head, like it obviously, you, you derive so much of your identity from, from that, that very concept of where you, where, you, where you exist. It's not just like a place you, you reside in. It's like, it's, it's, it, you know, it informs who you are. So that, that was another thing that I was just interested in is the combination of those things. So if that's the way we value homes, that's the way we exist as, as species and as humans. And then, you know, what happens when you live in like a liminal space or a non-place where, where it's just, you know, not very hospitable to, to that kind of existence, um, on paper at least, or something that seems interesting, like, you know, chasing a dream, chasing like a dream of traveling across the world and being a flight attendant or chasing a dream of being on living your entire life on water. Um, you know, what is the flip side of that? Chasing the dream of living in this like retirement Truman show, idyllic 1950s America, you know, what, what is the flip? What is the inverse? So what is it actually like when you're there? What does that feel like? What is the existential, um, you know, feeling, uh, that, that, that is produced when, when, when the, when, when, you, you know, your expectations of what that world is like, doesn't actually meet the reality of it. So those are the things that I think that I was like super interested in, 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 in my own shit, you know, let's talk some kind of heaven. Yeah. 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 Tell me about you stalking Aronofsky and <laughs> how, how did you get his email originally? I heard you got his email and then just kept on trying to pitch him on your film. I, um, well, so it's, it's, I, I feel like a lot of this shit comes, goes back to like, you know, my childhood obsessions with, with, with filmmakers. And one, you know, I feel like I've always adopted that, that, uh, the attitude of, you know, try and get as close as you can to the people whose work you love. And, you know, and, and, and to me, I was just like, I, I think I wasn't like, you know, I was less interested in being like, Hey, can you produce my movie for me, please? I was more just like, Hey, you know, I, I want to, um, I want to talk, um, you know, I want to talk to you and get your thoughts on things and hear how you exist and how you approach your work. And I would get your laundry for you, your dry cleaning of coffee, whatever. And I, I had this mentality, you know, not just for Darren, but for like most filmmakers that I loved. And um, when the Sony hacks happened, I became very, uh, you know, for, for me, like, obviously it's like, if you're trying to reach out to Wolf Smith, there's chances are he's already changed his email address. But for, for a lot of filmmakers, they didn't. And I ended up creating a spreadsheet uh, of just tons and tons of names of, of, different, of different filmmakers um, and, uh, you know, I still, I still have it. And I reached out to, you know, one person, um, uh, one person who, who I kept thinking about and kept going back to was Darren. Cause I, I, you know, his movies 
inspired me to no end. I mean, it inspired me to go and study what I studied in college. It inspired me to even go to the college that, you know, I wanted to, I basically studied the exact same shit that he studied. I went to the same program he went to. Um, and I, uh, you know, I wrote my, one of my college essays comparing with like, the fountain to the Epic of Gilgamesh. So I was, I, w- I had like a deep connection to his work. Um, and it took a minute to, to get in touch with him. I mean, I probably sent like, you know, I sent like, you know, an email, maybe an email like once every four months for like the better half okay, of that's almost chill. four and a half years. Yeah. I have pulled similar stalkerish shit where I've got, uh, contact from my, yeah, just tenuous three degrees of separation from someone yeah. to try and reach out. My friend made a documentary on Harry Dean Stanton and David Lynch was in the documentary. So I thought, okay, I can get to Lynch through her. <laughs> so we did an interview and it was the worst interview I've ever done. He's a really bad interview subject. Really? I emailed him, yeah, I emailed him a bunch of questions and every... Well, it was kind of awful and kind of amazing. Every response was one line back per question. <laughs> but then it kind of worked. My editor fucking hated me. He was like, what the fuck is this shit? And I was like, what am I going to say? Hey, Lynch man. <laughs> yeah, it dude, out a little bit more. Dude, you know? what an amazing, what an insane, uh, that must have been the trippiest thing of all time. Were you stressed preparing for, for that? I imagine it no, must have been like... His, his PA just said, send me all the questions and I'll pass them on to him. Yeah. And then yeah. I kind of just said something like the best was like, I said, um, he did an album in Poland and I was like, what brought you to Poland? And he was like, smoke factories, <laughs> the women next. <laughs> just Every answer was like that. The so, smoke, the factories, the if you, women. If you read wow. the entire interview in David Lynch voice, Fuck. it's sick. Otherwise it's just like, well, I'm, 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 I'm queuing that up after this. I feel like I have a, I have like, I have like 15 tabs open of, of, of shit to, to check out. Um, where did this incredible style come from for your documentary? It almost oh looks man, like they, spring breakers with like a pastel <laughs> tone or something, but it, everything, yeah, you don't see documentaries look like this. No, so th- 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 thank you. That that means a lot coming from you. That, it, I, I mean, I think it's a level of like each time I go into a place, you know, I, I'm working with a, David Boland who shot the film. He's been one of my best friends since I was like 18. I met him online as well. I was searching around on Vimeo and saw his shit. And, you know, we've we've worked together a lot and have a have a real, I feel like a shorthand working with each other. Uh, and he's an incredible He's, he kind of is a, a, a rare dude who is able to, you know, he, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a great collaborator to have. But I think the, the, the over, like underlying thing across each film I've made is, is I go to a place, I try to get a sense of what that place is like. And I don't want to just observe it like a fly on the wall. I want to I feel it. Like I want the audience to feel it. And I want to think about how the style, everything we're doing behind the camera that pulls you in to the world and how that, you know, that setting, that subject, that thing and that place informs the way we, you know, we shoot. And it takes time. It's not like a thing where we, you know, when we crash landed in the villages, it wasn't like a thing immediately where I was like, this is the way it's going to look. This is the way we're going to photograph it. I mean, we, we had a few days, there must've been like four or five days when we first got there where we were shooting an entirely different way. And it just didn't feel like it was working. It didn't feel like that was the best place, the best way to see that world. It was, you know, um, it felt like the world itself had been set decorated and production designed uh, for its residents. And for a documentary film, you know, it, it was like, hard, it's like documentary heaven. So uh, how, how did we make everything feel intentional? How did we make everything feel as composed and as meticulous as as the rest of the world there looked. And that was mm. the thing that really informed the way we were approaching stuff. And then once we were kind of in that vein of thought, I pulled up like, you know, I work a lot off of like most people probably do, but I, 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 I find like photo books to be extremely helpful just to think about how uh, things can be captured and like the visual language of, 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 of something can evolve from, from, uh, you know, visual cues and visual inspiration. And I make these photo decks and I carry them around with me. And 
I'll pull them up when something is, is relevant. But, you know, then I, then I was just thinking like, okay, well, I want this to feel, you know, like I want it to feel like an homage to all of my favorite, you know, suburban hellish, like suburban hellscapes growing up, you know, like the, you know, Edward Scissorhands or bigger than life, the Nicholas Ray movie or safe, the Todd Haynes movie, or, um, you know, uh, even like seconds to some degree, the uh, well, not second, yeah, I guess seconds, the Frankenheimer movie, shortcuts, the, the Altman movie. Like, yeah, I wanted it to feel like a melange of all those things. Uh, I love Harmony Corinne, so I feel like there is an element of like the way we colored the film. You know, I wanted to have that kind of like psychedelic, uh, the sunsets and spring breakers where it looks like I remember he compared it to like Skittles. Like, I, I love that idea. and. I think that's that is how Florida sunsets do look like that oversaturated hue that feels very dreamy. The scene um, of Reggie doing Tai Chi in the golf course with that fucking amazing <laughs> Michael Mann sky behind him was stunning. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, damn. No, thank thank you. I mean, yeah, but you're right. One. It does I mean, kind yeah, of feel yeah, like uh, all, it, it, this could totally be a a setting for an Altman epic on the scale of like Nashville or Shortcuts or something, couldn't it? With all these. <laughs> It'd be a great setting. I wish she was around to to explore it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's that was the idea was I wanted to make it feel like a classic ensemble Hollywood film, uh, you know, that didn't feel anything like a documentary that didn't feel anything like, um, you know, journalism. I wanted it to feel extremely subjective and tethered to these people's experiences. And I think that's like the interesting thing when the film is talked about by people who don't seem to have that same you know, I think the way that we marketed the film as all films, you know, you find a way to market a movie and that's the way you get butts and seats. But in my mind, this isn't really a film as much as it is about the villages as it is, you know, about something fairly universal, you know, which is, you know, getting to a, a moment in your life, you're at your like eighth or ninth chapter of being on this earth and you still have so, you still know so little about yourself and you still have so much to figure out. And I thought that's like, that's a pretty fascinating, um, I mean, maybe it's not so interesting for someone who's older, but for someone who is much younger than, uh, than, than the folks in the film, I was just like, that's totally interesting that you could be such a, you know, hot mess by the time you're 85, you know, none of, none of, none, like nothing can really, you know, you grow older, but you don't necessarily grow wiser. And that was interesting to me. And, especially like in a world like the villages, which it's, it's biggest selling point to residents is this idea that, you know, it's the Peter Pan syndrome that you can return back to a time in your life uh, where things were more simple, where you had more freedom, where you didn't have to take care of your family. You can return back to a place in time uh, where you could do whatever the fuck you want. And I love that as an idea. And I also loved exploring that in a way that was more like, okay, well, what's, if that's the case, if you, if you, you know, th then what happens to all the other things? Like, do the problems in, in, in the younger version of yourself's life, do they, do they come up again? Do they pop up and rear their heads uh, in different ways or is it all the same? Um, and I, those were the questions I think that were of interest to me then rather than like the more, you know, making a broad portrait of the villages and something much more specific to the place, which I thought was, maybe it's more obvious and kind of less interesting. It's true. Yeah. Growing old, but not having your shit together or still having questions about life is amazing. I mean, <laughs> Re Reggie is on a, having an <laughs> existential crisis. David is almost like a, like a pensioner fuck boy or something. <laughs> but yeah, that totally makes sense. That's a really great way of thinking about it. There you go. Lance Oppenheim. What a great guy. What a great filmmaker. So just to let you know, at the time of recording this, I know for sure we have Lance's first two documentaries going up on the channel. The person we need to speak to regarding some kind of heaven is on holiday, out of office emails. So hopefully by the time this goes live, we have all three. 
If not, we've got the first two. That's still pretty great. They're both fantastic films. Both streaming for free. Did I say that? Anyway, that's it. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Thank you to my engineer, Ewan Henselwood, and Joshua Eustace, a.k.a. Telephone Tel Aviv, who produced and played all our beautiful music you heard. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening to Deep Into Movies. See you next time for more movie talk. Wow, I sound like a fucking cheesy radio person. Thanks again. Bye.